Hello, and welcome to the Luther Loves Movies Podcast, Episode 6. Now, I haven't really knocked off a lot for my watch list this week. February has been kind of a financially rough month. So, I still have a few movies that I'm able to rent to knock off, like Four Daughters and Perfect Days, I believe. I still have not been able to get my Paramount Plus to let me watch Golda or The Eternal Memory or... What was the other one? Oh, the ABCs of Book Banning. So, uh, granted, with the ABCs of Book Banning uh, being one of the short films, I think I've relegated to the fact that for most of the shorts, I'm not going to be able to watch until I go see it in theaters, which... There is a screening of all the short films this coming Friday. What I'm going to try and do is go see them then and still try and get an episode out on Saturday evening so I can get my final predictions out. And it looks like the only way I'm going to be able to see Zone of Interest is to watch it on Sunday morning. That is... This is one of the tricky things about trying to do a podcast about movies and trying to focus on the Oscars is that when it comes to my watch list, there's usually a handful of films that I don't really get to be able to watch until like right before the Oscars. And that is, of course, is what happening this year with the shorts and with um, the zone of interest. Um, It doesn't help that Myrtle Beach, the theaters here just don't tend to get that super wide range of films. Um, I, I'll i get quite a, a little bit of range out of Cinemark and Stone Theaters. AMC not so much and B&B Theaters never has much of anything here. I, I miss living in Raleigh when I was surrounded by like a dozen theaters back then because I could hit I lived in downtown Raleigh and could drive 30 minutes in either direction and pass two three four the you have the Alamo Draft House out there the Crossroads 20 so I kind of miss those days of being able to rely on local theaters to get that wider selection of films both throughout the year and up to the Oscars so that I could knock the list out more easily. But it's something I'm committed to doing every year because I love film and I love getting excited about this stupid award show. Speaking of which, I'm not even sure how I'm going to watch it because I don't have cable or... All I use is streaming services these days and I don't have the Hulu Live TV or YouTube. So... I will probably have to check in with a buddy and see if I can crash at a friend's for a Sunday evening to use their TV and watch the Oscars because that's where I'm at. It also, I have a lot of my film friends live back in North Carolina and not as many down here, so I don't have that many people I can really get up with like that for movie-related things, but it's alright, I'll make do. Uh, let me bring up the 
Oscars website real quick because uh, it did say it, you can watch it on your local ABC station uh, if you're a cable or satellite subscriber and ABC is part of your lineup. It starts next Sunday, one week from today at 7 p.m., which I usually post this episode late Sunday night. So if you're listening to this on Monday, then well, you, you know how time works. You know how dates work. Sunday, March 10th, 7 p.m. Red, uh, of course, red carpet starts a little sooner. I It is a guilty pleasure of mine. I like seeing people's outfits and their hurried, nervous interviews before the big show. So, I if it's not your thing, that's fine. It is mine, and I'll... I, I have a feeling that it would be a lot harder for me to... Uh, try and convince someone to let me come over to watch three hours of red carpet interviews. So I might just have to stick to the actual show this year. So we'll see. Uh, you can also watch it if you have Hulu Live TV, YouTube TV, AT&T TV, and Fubo TV. I am not super familiar with... I only heard about Fubo, like... Fubo, like... Maybe two weeks ago? So I'm haven't been able to look into that service yet uh but of course that i believe all of them have free trials if you're just trying to sneak it in real quick which hey that might be how i end up doing it this year if i want to just stay at home i will say if you're really lucky uh when i was living in raleigh the alamo draft house had a showing of the oscars they had a little bingo card you could like the little cliche things that always happens at the Oscars you could cross out and if you hit bingo they were giving out free tickets t-shirts stuff of the like I had a very boring date come with me that I wish I had just gone alone but one of these days I'll make up that memory by being able to go to if the if I'm once I move back to Raleigh if the Alamos Draft House does it again I'd sure like to go to that again if you live somewhere where you're able to attend something like that it's a lot of fun if you're a big movie lover like I am and if you're not then I'm very curious as to why you've been listening to this very boring monotone podcast for the last mm, six weeks so but to whom it may concern there you go I will say one thing that I'm excited for uh, once the Oscars are over is I'm really excited to go back to be watching new films in theaters again. Since I started doing this podcast and even a few weeks before, I, I haven't seen a lot of new movies that have come out this year. I really want to see Argyle and Bob Marley One Love and Drive Away Dolls and a few others. I just, I haven't had time with everything that's been going on and it will be nice to get back into my routine of doing a weekly or bi-weekly doing a weekly or going to see a movie in theaters one to two days a week I think for the most part I'm committed to the idea that the week after next week's episode will be the last weekly episode before I switch to doing an episode every two weeks. Just because it's been a stressor on me to try and get an episode out every Sunday. Like, it takes up my most of one of my two days off a week. And 
I think it would just be a lot easier for me to also have more material for me to talk about each episode. And I'm going to want to talk about films that I had seen between each episode, so that gives me a little bit more time to watch some stuff, figure out what I want to say about it, maybe talk to other people, maybe have some more time to record discussions or interviews or stuff like that. Plus, I have a couple of other projects that I, I kind of want to try and put my hands on a little bit more. It's coming back into theater season, and this year I'm going to be trying to work on the tech side of things more instead of being on stage. So that's going to take a little bit of my attention away. But this is something that I do still want to keep doing and keep trying to put an effort into making myself produce on a regular basis at least. It requires at least that level of discipline to keep doing. I'll go over a few more of my predictions this week i'll try and wrap it up next week hopefully with being able to knock out the short films hopefully and then the following week be able to talk about the oscars what predictions came true as well as i would also probably like to take some time to look through the year and see what kind of films stick out to me that i think i would like to try and make the extra effort to make sure I see while they're in theaters because they could have some potential later on. But I also just want to see what's coming out and keep my own stuff that I, I think I will like. I am the type of person where even if I don't necessarily think that a movie is well made, there's still plenty of films out there that I enjoy and am entertained by regardless of their filmmaking quality but anyways let me knock this out real quick because there's only two films that I've really gotten to knock off my list this week and they were two of the shorts so films that I'm going to eventually see in the theater later anyways but uh, they were Night of Fortune and The Barber of Little Rock both of which can be found on YouTube as I think I mentioned in last week's episode Night of Fortune uh, is about two men who are going through a period of grieving in a way, help each other through it. It's a very touching story, although in terms of kind of being in the same element as the after, I thought the after was a lot more heavy hitting. Although it's also uh, a foreign film, it's, it's a Danish film, so that was interesting. Now, The Barber of Little Rock was one that I enjoyed a lot more. It revolves around Arlo Washington, who is a barber and shop owner in Little Rock, Arkansas, who not only has his own school teaching uh, and giving uh, chances to young folks to, or to anyone who wants to learn to, to become a barber themselves, because it can also help them start their own business, but also he started People's Trust, Arkansas's first black-owned bank, and a, a non-profit community bank to help narrow the wealth gap in his community. It also talks a little bit about how the banking system in America disproportionately benefits white people more than black, 
And that is a long history, uh, both in regards to banking, loans, uh, redlining, which is definitely worth looking into. I There's episodes uh, on all that as well uh, on Last Week Tonight, which is how I learned about it, which I hate is how I learn about a lot of really important issues in America because I like comedy and it's a fun way to indulge some of the shitty part about of the news in the world. So it is what it is, but I definitely encourage people to not only watch The Barber of Little Rock because I think it's a very important short film, but also it's an important issue in general. One that I think is worth everyone looking into to understand how kind of messed up banking in America is. I don't want to divulge onto that. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to dive too deep into that. I'm not an expert on the topic, and I could literally just look up stuff and talk about that for whatever. But this is not a money podcast. It's a movie podcast. So. Other than that, uh, those were the only two I was able to knock out this week, so I will go ahead and start working on some of my predictions. Last week we covered... Please excuse the scrolling of my mouse because I can't record and click back, back and forth for all of this. So last week I think I talked about best visual effects, best costume design, best film editing, best makeup and hairstyling. Anyways... Let me bring back the page. I think I made it up to... I don't think I did best cinematography. So, I will go ahead and start with that. Because for best cinematography, there was El Conde, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. So, best cinematography... The films nominated were fantastic. I think the only one that I kind of felt missed out on this was maybe The Holdovers, but did get a nomination for Best Film Editing. With Best Cinematography, El Conde has some really great shots. I feel like sometimes whenever a film is done in the black and white, it kind of, I don't know. El Conde has some really great shots. I think I had mentioned before uh, how well I thought the flying of the vampires was done. But there's only very specific parts when in which that is done. So uh, looking at the movie as a whole, Maestro was very well shot. I, I like the different style that was kind of filmed in uh, between the different sections of his life. Killer of the Flower Moon has some beautiful photog photography in it. I, especially with Killers of the Flower Moon, I appreciated a lot of like the overhead and bird's eye shots, uh, especially of like the dance circles and looking out over the land. I particularly liked uh, some of the camera work for when DiCaprio and De Niro are in the jail cell talking to each other and when he's in front of the lawyer and they're doing the, the trial scene. But I... I definitely say the two biggest front runners are Oppenheimer and Poor Things. And now I I checked Gold Derby for a while. A lot of the experts are saying, and right now every single expert is pulling for 
Oppenheimer. And I get that there's, and I get that in, in the same way that Maestro has sort of done the different scenes and times in which the movie is taking taking place is filmed a little differently like between the Strauss trial being in black and white and the rest of Oppenheimer's life I the the bomb exploding and how that was uh, the explosions and the effects and the the when they're sitting behind the walls and everything and they're they're real focused in I was shot really well then also Oppenheimer's moments of PTSD and the the when he's on trial and it, it kind of feels like the bombs going off outside and the lights flashing in and then when he's standing in front of people and he's imagining all dead it was all shot really really well and and something that you take particular note of i see why all the experts are pulling for oppenheimer it was very fantastic cin cinematography but I'm I'm going against the grain on this one because I really think poor films had the best cinematography this year the cinematography for poor things is something that you can't help but to notice throughout the entirety of the film whether it's the changing of the lenses the particular like zoomed in shots and the angles of uh the people's faces the cinematography sets the style of the film for poor things it, it along with i Granted, there's a lot that sets the style of the film for poor things, from the production and, and everyone's costumes and the editing and the design, but it's an integral part of the style of the cinematography adding to the weird bizarreness of the film. Shot any other way would have been, would have negatively affected the film, I think. And when the style of the cinematography is so integral to the film itself, that that gives it more importance to me. So for this one, against the rest of the, rest of the experts, I'm going to pull for poor things on this one. Now, I might be wrong. Of course, the, the rest of the Academy of Voters may not agree with me. And for their own reasons, I... Whether they're particular about it like I am or not, may vote Oppenheimer over poor things instead. But I, I can't deny my reasoning for wanting to predict poor things as being the best cinematography winner, and it will be at least at, at least all my predictions will be. Who won in my heart. And not that it matters. If I could give a, a little Luther award to the films. I would. But I digress. Continuing on. Next the category I'm going to cover is best song. Now this is always a fun one. And this year especially. I, I'll, I'll say it. My favorite song from this year is definitely I'm Just Ken. I, I've probably heard it. Not well, other than the hundreds of times I heard it while working in a movie theater, I've probably listened it 
into my car way too much than what is healthy. That being said, I, I have no expectation for it to win. Both I'm Just Ken and The Fire Inside are very great, fantastic, joyful songs with really great energy. But when it comes to best song, I like it when it not only frames the film well, um, but is has like a deeper meaning introspective through the film. Uh, it Never Went Away is a beautiful song by John Baptiste uh, and definitely is earned its right among the selection. The two for me that stand out the most for this category though is What Was I Made For for the Barbie film and the Wajazi A Song for My People for Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, pretty unanimously, again, the experts for Gold Derby have listed What Was I Made For as their top pick. And I I think it's a very... I think it's a very great pick for for best song. It is touching. It has meaning to the film as well as meaning to the listener. It's... I am... I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a Billie Eilish fan. I love a lot of Billie Eilish songs, and this is definitely one of them. And it's very touching. It's very, it's very sad, really. It 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 invokes a bit of sadness, but also I, I think in some ways a, a sense of hope and growth. And I I love it a lot. The reason why against the experts that I, I really want Wajazi, a song for my people to win, is because I think. It's incredible that this is a, a song that was written and performed by people of the Osage Nation for this film. I don't think a, an original, newly written, uh, native language film, or na native language song has ever been nominated for uh, Academy Awards Best Song category. I... I don't know, I didn't go through to look it up, but I also didn't see anything that stated otherwise. I mean, this is, I think this is kind of like one of those landmark things where it's just like, not only is it important to the film, but it's important to, I think it's important to the Osage. I, I, it's, it's long-deserved recognition so I, I I think that's why I'd really love to see it win and why I'm going to put it as my prediction for best song this year and with best song it's very easy to segue into best original score now for the films nominated this year I very much enjoyed being able to go through and listen to them uh, scoring is very important. It's and I love when I can take note of a score in a film. And this, all five films are ones that I was definitely able to do as I was watching them in theaters this year. I don't like silence. I, I, it's one of the reasons why I have the royalty f 
free music overlapping in the background of my podcast is I don't just like to listen to the sound of something talking. I like, even if you barely hear it, I, I just like having that extra audio to kind of smooth it out, I suppose. But for films, it's a little bit different. It, it adds a lot. It can add intensity. It can add... Uh, it can relax the... It can change the mood that the viewer is in. Now, with these films, it was very particular with... Uh, American Fiction had a very great jazzy soundtrack. American Fiction's soundtrack is probably my favorite to listen to on a regular basis. Just because I very much love and appreciate jazz music. The Poor Things score much like its cinematography helped add to the quirkiness and weirdness and helped make the film it is definitely my least favorite to listen to it's very jarring and distorted and while it does a really great job of working in with the film uh it definitely does not do so outside of the film but it definitely earned the nomination then, of course, you have Indiana Jones, uh, same as, you know, any kind of big blockbuster. When you have a film that is scored by the great John Williams, how could you not expect it to make this list? I will say, though, as much as I love it, it is almost a little too familiar uh, when it comes to... I, and I feel this way about the scoring for films like Star Wars. The, the score tends to kind of repeat itself because it's going for a theme. And, and I, I get that, but it never really... I, while I enjoy it in this year, I, I'm never probably going to to go back and and re-listen to it just for the the score um or just to listen to it so i mean it's kind of hard to make uh that argument there now the two uh now the number one that the oscar that the number one select amongst experts is the score for oppenheimer the score is very ethereal and really keeps pace with the tonal setting in the film. And it's definitely... I, I really would like to say it's definitely a very easy pick for, for best sound. I am again going to go against the grain though and i'm going with killers of the flower moon on this one it was the composer robbie robertson's last film that he composed the score for before he passed away also i apologize if you can hear my stomach growling i have not eaten all day and is very upset about that with killers of the flower moon i the music is beautiful and and, and written by someone from uh, from Native American descent, I, I find it 
culturally important as well. It, for a lot of the same reasons that I would like to see Washazi win Best Song, it frames the film so excellently and has importance to it outside of just being a very great score and a very well-scored film. So I would very much like to see that win. That's why it's going to be my pick for Best Original Score this year. Alright, I'm going to do probably two more because my girlfriend is coming home soon from work and I'm not going to have long to record. So let me try and knock these next couple out as quick as I can. Uh, let me go ahead and do... Best Animated Feature. Now, I usually every year... There's a Disney film or a Pixar film, some kind of big family film that is obviously going to win Best Picture regardless of whatever else is mentioned. And this year's a little different because I don't feel that strongly about Elemental being, I don't even remember who was Disney or Pixar who came out with it, but... It is definitely, in my opinion, the weakest of all the films nominated. And I haven't even gotten to see Robot Dreams, which looks super cute. And I really want to see it as soon as I can. But the uh, of the other films, there was also not anything that I thought was over-the-top phenomenal. Such as years in the past where like I really wanted... To see Anomalisa win. I wanted Mad God to be nominated and win. I, I know I'm talking about stop motion again. But that's just because it's my favorite style of animation. Uh, this year, it's it's torn between two. And, and Elemental, Nomona, Robot Dreams. Not cutting it for most of the experts. It's between Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And The Boy and the Heron. The Boy and the Heron, of course, being a Studio Ghibli film. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse being a Disney-Marvel combination. And this one's kind of difficult. Uh, the experts are torn on this one. I think it's leaning more towards Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. But there's a lot who are... If if it's not if that's not their top one, it's The Boy and the Heron. If it's not The Boy and the Heron, it's Spider-Man Across the Universe. And for this one... It's, as someone who's like a long-time Studio Ghibli fan and a lover of anime, I immediately want to go with The Boy and the Heron, but I think I gotta go with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse on this one, because even more, even though the the studio that, I forget the name of the studio that did Spider-Man and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has that kind of like almost painted-like style that's really good that I like seeing in animation now. I think they're also making a Batman Beyond movie coming out in the next couple of years. I really loved Across the Spider-Verse because while I was not super crazy about the plot, I loved that each of the Spider-Man had like a different kind of art style to them. I, I loved the scene of Gwen's I loved all the scenes with Gwen Stacy and her dad and the coloration used and the kind of like a kind of like a oh a water paint style. I I thought it was beautiful and over the top and I, I really want to see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse win this one. If the boy in the heron wins it, I will be like, yeah, that that's fair too. 
but I think I got a pull for Spider-Man in this one. And then let's see. Uh, I really, I I really want the next episode just to kind of like finish up with the best actors, best picture, and best director. I think I'll save the um, the writing the screenplay awards for that as well. When it comes to the short films, it, it's hard not having seen all of them. Like with the best live action short films, the only... Well, I've, I guess I've seen three out of the five. I've seen Night of Fortune, The After, and The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. That one, uh, that one is a tough one. Between, for, I, I like Night of Fortune, but I'd say it's probably between The After and The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. The After is just a really great performance from uh, David Oyelowo, but I'm so happy that Wes Anderson at least made it with uh, one of his short films making it to the Oscars when Asteroid City didn't. And from the looks of it, the experts are mostly siding with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, some picking the after. Um, not a single one of them picked Red, White, and Blue, Invincible, or Night of Fortune as their favorite. In fact, it looks like Night of Fortune is at the bottom of most of their picks, and I kind of understand that. Still looking forward to seeing Red, White, and Blue in Invin Invincible. But I am definitely going to go with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar on this one. Uh, continuing with shorts. Uh, right now, for me, it's The Last Repair Shop. That one just... The fact that I kind of just cried for like five minutes watching that one I it's very easy to make me cry with almost any film that has like a really good emotional scene it's really easy to make me cry but I would say right now as it stands it would be the last repair shop I really love the Barber of Little Rock but the last repair shop just had it a little bit Ahead of me. Actually, out of all of these, the only one I haven't seen is the ABCs of book banning. And now that I'm looking through it, that is like probably the majority of the experts pick for best documentary short. But there's a lot that are picking the last repair shop as well. And I would say that would definitely probably be my pick as well because I felt it was really impactful. And I even sent that one to uh, a very close friend of mine who. It, I was talking to about documentaries this week and about about our feelings towards humanity as a whole and trying to find those pockets of beautiful moments and news in the world today and I sent him the last repair shop because I, I thought he would enjoy it so I'm, I'm going to stick with that one as my pick for best documentary short if I once I see the ABCs of book banning, that could change. And if it does change, I'll update on the thing. But right now, I'm I'm kind of just sticking with the last repair shop. And then when it comes to the best animated short, I haven't seen any of them. 
I haven't been able to find any of them. I think some of them are able to rent on Vimeo, I think it said. I think it said Patchyderm and I want to say Our Uniform was also available for rent. I'm probably just going to wait until I can get a chance to see it. And like I said, I'm, I, it, I'm going to... And, next episode which i'm hoping will be out early because i'm going to try and film it on thursday and then a little bit on friday after i see the short films get it out by saturday i will update my full list and then i will post to the luther loves movies facebook page my full list of predictions uh, from right now, as it looks like, uh, War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko, is a lot of the experts' top pick for best animated short. The next one seems to be Letter to a Pig. So I will hopefully be able to get back to you guys before the Oscars. If not, that's just kind of one of the short sights of trying to do a movie podcast about the uh, and focusing on the Oscars and not being able to really see everything until right before the Oscars and I apologize for that also I apologize if the airplane flying overhead gets caught in this and that little last bit I'm trying to knock out the last few before the important ones, uh, before my girlfriend gets home, because I gotta help her with some stuff when she gets home, and I won't have time to record. Record. Uh, of course, I haven't seen The Zone of Interest, and I kinda already figured it would be. It is, of course, the expert's top pick for best international feature film, but out of all five, it's also the only one nominated for best picture, and... If an international film is being nominated for Best Picture, I don't see it not winning also Best International Feature Film. So, I mean, even though I haven't seen that one, that one's kind of like my obvious guess as to which one will win. I did really love Society of the Snow, though, and if that one won, I'd be very happy to see that one win as well. But I am going to go ahead and, I, I, even though I haven't seen it, agree with the experts on this one, just because it's kind of what you expect when uh, an international film also makes it to the Best Picture list. I'm quickly trying to scroll through and see if there is anything that I am missing ah best documentary uh, I am still I've only been able to see Bobby Wine the people's president and 20 days in Moripol I have not rented four daughters yet um, I have not been able to find to kill a tiger and of course as I've mentioned earlier for some reason Paramount Plus doesn't want me to watch eternal memory 20 Days in Moripol is definitely going to be my pick for best winner, and as I'm scrolling through, it is pretty unanimous amongst the experts that it's going to be the only winner as well, as I think it is definitely probably the most important film this year. And again, trigger warning, it is a very heavy film to watch, so just letting all of you out there know ahead of time before you go into it, it is... It's rough, but it, it, it's very important, especially with the time we live in, everything that's going on in, U in Ukraine. And now it, it, it's hard not to think about with everything that's going on in Gaza as well. Alright, as I'm scrolling through, I covered live action short, documentary short, animated short. 
international film, documentary, animated feature, visual effects, sound, song, score, production design, costume design, cinematography. All I have left is original screenplay, adapted screenplay, supporting actor, supporting actress, actor, actress, director, best picture. I'm going to save that for next episode. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, of course, this was... Sorry. I got an up notification that threw me off there at the last second. Uh, I will try and stay posting on the Facebook page. If, so if you're listening along, you can see it there. The cover photo was for today's episode was made by Dallas Stepp. The, song, the background song was Boss Antigua by Kevin McLeod. I am your host, Luther Graves. As always, thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Or hear you next week. Talk to you next week? You get what I'm saying.